opportunity to study the Word of God together. And in this class, we're doing a survey. In fact, this class time and next class time, that will be the end of this quarter. So we're finishing up the study of the first five books of the Bible. Tonight, we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody knows the drill now. You've already read through Deuteronomy, so this will just give you some, maybe some structure for understanding or appreciating the book even more. So I'm glad that you're a part of it. We're going to sing a song together, and then after that we'll have a prayer and then begin our class. Number 596. Five nine six. In the desert of sorrow and sin, though I fit as a journey along, with the word they will unwitting, see my strength and my hope. Oh, 
Thank you for the privilege that we have to assemble this afternoon for the purpose of studying your word together. I pray that you'll help us to have a, a better understanding of how these books work together and how they point to Jesus, your son. The instruction that these words give us in reflecting the actions of people who lived so long ago, some who were unfaithful to you and suffer the consequences. I pray we'd learn from those examples. But also, Father, of those who were so very faithful, despite what they could see with their eyes, maybe even their own feelings, they trusted you more than that. And I pray that we'll be like that, that we'll be able truly to walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you've given to so many who are recovering from sickness. And we just pray they'll have a full recovery. And there are many here today that have gone through that process. We're just so thankful. And we pray for those who remain sick, that they'll get stronger every day. Pray for those who are bereaved and who have suffered loss. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would squash this a pandemic, that it could be a thing of the past, that we could enjoy a degree of normalcy again. We pray, Lord, that you'll just bless those who have gone away, who are on the trip, and that they'll have a safe return back to us very soon, and that they'll be revived and have had great experiences and their faith strengthened. Thank you for all that you intend to do through this review of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, before we, before we actually start with our study of the book of Deuteronomy, had a little leftover from the book of Numbers. Someone posed a question, and I was intending to fit it in the class last time, but time just ran away from me. It's something that comes out of Numbers chapter 15. So I thought we'd just go to Numbers 15 and look at much of what's happening in that chapter because it's, it's a pretty fascinating thing. And it also, I think, it will help to explain something else that for many people is a big question mark in the New Testament scriptures. To me, that's really the best part of it all. So Numbers chapter 15 I need somebody to read verses 22 through 29 of Numbers chapter 15. Who would do that for us? Ken, we're in Deuteronomy tonight. We don't know about Numbers. No, you do. You do. We were just in it. So it's okay. Okay, Rick. 22 through 29 of Numbers 15. Okay, stop right there. We're looking at, you know what I do. We're looking at unintentional sin. Okay? Unintentional sin. Okay, keep going. 
Do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses. All that the Lord has commanded you by Moses from the day that the Lord gave commandment and onward, onward throughout your generations. Then if it was done unintentionally without the knowledge of the congregation, all the congregation shall offer one bull for the herd for a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering according to the rule, and one male goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the people of Israel, and they shall be forgiven, because it was a mistake. And they have brought their offering, the food offering to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their mistake. And all the congregation of the people of Israel shall be forgiven. And the stranger who sojourns among them, because the whole population was involved in the mistake. If one person sins unintentionally, he shall offer a female goat a year old for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord to the person who makes the mistake when he sins unintentionally, to make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is native among the people of Israel, and for the stranger who is sojourners among them. Okay. Now, I hope when you, maybe when you read this first time, you went, wow. But as you're reading it now, or hearing it read, maybe it ought to be another big wow. You commit an unintentional sin. You made a terrible mistake. You know God laid out His law. He expects you to obey it, but out of... Every effort that you could put forth, you unintentionally committed this sin. You find out that you're guilty. What am I going to do? You can offer the prescribed sacrifice, and what will happen? Atonement will be made for that sin, and what will God do? He will forgive your sin. If you do it, and he started off, there are several conditions. One is, how well known is this? Unintended mistake of a sin. How many people know about it? Uh, nobody. <laughs> it's not known to the congregation. It's, and in fact, there are so many, apparently, there can be so many of these kinds of things that, you know, if a situation arises, we'll just have what happen. I have a general sacrifice made for everybody who's done these unintended mistakes of sin and they'll be atoned for and they'll be forgiven. All those conditions, but God's demonstrated as being a what? He's hard and you, you just, even if you, is God like that? No, God is a forgiving, merciful God. Okay. Unintended mistake, but it was sin. Sacrifice of atonement can be made. It can be forgiven. Well, then, what does verse 30 and 31 say, Rick? But the person who does anything with a high hand. Whoa, wait a minute. With a high hand. What does that mean? 
It's intentional. Okay, now there's unintentional. I made a mistake. What was I thinking? Uh, what happened there? Wait, what? That was a sin? Oh no, what's the punishment for it? Death? Oh no, what am I going to do? Here's somebody who's acted not unintentionally. He absolutely what? He knew exactly what he was doing. Okay, keep reading that. It's only two verses, by the way. Keep reading. Whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be on him. Okay, will you go ahead and read that part where he can offer a sacrifice of, I don't know, some doves or something, or maybe a bullock. This is a big deal. He could do that, and then he could have atonement and forgiveness. And then all these people in the congregation of Israel, those that are blatant and they just sin in the face of God, we could just lump them all together and they'll be forgiven. Read, read that for us. He refuses to do so <laughs> because, guess what? That part's not in there. You commit intentional sin. In other words, you know what you are doing, but you don't care. You are going to do it anyway. What is the sacrifice for that? This is not a trick question. Okay, we're, hang on. There is no sacrifice for that. Now, now, Luther reminds us of, and, and this is what I was suggesting to you in, in the little preamble there, is that this kind of answers a situation that's talked about in Hebrews chapter 10. Who would read Hebrews chapter 10? We're going to look at verses 26 through 31. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. To, to me, just reading this, I mean, there are some verses of Scripture that are pretty terrifying, like 2 Peter chapter 3. Isn't that a terrifying chapter? Talk about the earth melting. That's a terrifying... Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that talks about Jesus coming in flaming fire. Wow, those are, those are terrifying. You say, well, Ken, I'm immune to that because I'm a Christian. Peace. But reading it? That's terrifying stuff. Right here is also a terrifying text. However, it has a connection with what we just read from Numbers chapter 15. There are unintended sins. I, I did not mean to do that. Or I committed a sin. I, I knew that it was wrong, but what has happened to my heart about it? I, I'm filled with regret and remorse and all of that. That's one situation. Another situation where I have determined I am going to commit sin and I don't care. Well, at that moment when I'm, especially in this, when I've had my sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, when I commit additional sin and I, in effect, say, I don't care, what then am I saying about the sacrifice of Jesus? I, I, am I not belittling it? Am I not devaluing the sacrifice of Jesus? Okay, who has that text would read that for us? 
Hebrews, yes, okay. Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. Okay, stop right here for a second. All right. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. He's talking about Christians who are committing willful sin. Now, tell me about what happens to the child of God when they've been baptized, they've had their sins washed away, they come up out of that watery grave. As long as I'm continuing to walk in the light, in other words, I'm striving to serve God, I'm faithful as is much my capability to do so. As long as I'm doing that, what does the Bible say my condition is? Okay, that's 1 John chapter 1, 7 and following, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Well, my translation has cleanses, but in the original language, that is a continuing effect. So it literally means that it continues to cleanse us from all sin. In other words, as long as I am walking in the light, I'm walking in, in God's righteousness, I'm striving. Am I making mistakes? Yes. And he clarifies that in the next two verses. If I say I have no sin, I deceive myself. The truth's not in me. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I committed sin, I feel bad about it, I confess it. He will then restore the cleansing. But what about that intervening period at which I've stopped walking in the light and I've committed a willful sin? What about that continuing washing? What's going on with that? It has stopped. Isn't that what Mary just read? What happens to the blood of Jesus Christ? It it stopped cleansing. Continue reading because now he's going to connect it with what we read from Numbers 15. Here's what I get. I, I get it. it. It is wonderful to be washed by the blood of Jesus. It is wonderful to live in what we oftentimes refer to as the dispensation of grace. It is amazing to know that the blood can wash my sins away once for all. However, <laughs> it is equally doubly frightening to think of the prospects of one who having enjoyed the washing away of sins to, because of their willful sin, to reject that sacrifice and now to face the living God. Anybody get that with me? That's a big wow. 
in some ways, and here's the thing, you read, you read numbers, you say, wow, that's very strict. Uh, if they were unintentional with their sin, they could have that forgiven. If they were intentional, there was no sacrifice for that sin. And not only that, what were they to immediately do? Be kicked out, take action. Now watch this. Watch, okay, Rick, you still there? Okay, look at verses 32 through 36. We're still in Numbers chapter 15. Here is a built-in example. If, every, if anybody wondered what's going on with this, how would we apply it? There's a built-in example right here beginning at verse 32 through 36. Okay, stop right there. A man's gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Uh, take away the Sabbath day for a second. Why would you gather sticks? Build a fire. Don't we all need a fire? It's cold out here. I need to cook some food, whatnot. You know, whatever. <laughs> he, he gathers, Luther gathers sticks, wood, lumps of sticks all the time. You burn that, it's fuel. What's wrong with burning sticks? Nothing's wrong with burning sticks. However, what was it he said? Where, when, when was he gathering those sticks? Whoa, wait a minute. There's one of the big ones. He's doing what on the Sabbath day? He's working on the Sabbath day. Now, let me ask you this question. You are a Jew. You've grown up a Jew. You've associated with Jews all of your life. Now, it's the Sabbath day. You suppose that you're picking up these sticks unintentionally? You just happen to forget it's the Sabbath day? Not a trick. Shake your head this way. No, are you kidding? I mean, they have that. That is ingrained. If this guy is picking up sticks on the Sabbath day, what is he doing? He's breaking the law. He, in, he is intentionally breaking the law. Keep going, Rick. Those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what should be done to him. The Lord said to Moses, The man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him and outside the camp. Wait a minute, Rick. Did that say they, they were supposed to stone him for picking up sticks? That's what, that's what it's... Okay, keep reading that. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him and stone him outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death and stoned as the Lord commanded him. The entire... Everybody participated in the stoning of the man who had collected sticks on the Sabbath day. What's wrong with collecting sticks on the Sabbath day? God said, don't do that. Now, we've noticed some things as we've come along in these books, right? Now, I, I don't think that it has gone unnoticed by anybody because I have tried very hard to emphasize this because if there's anything that we can draw from what happens in these books, it is that God is so very serious about our obedience. 
If there is anything that translates perfectly from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it is the idea of obedience. And if you do not obey the express commandment of God, then God is going to take vengeance on that. He, he absolutely is. They're like, well, you know, he gathered six on the Sabbath day. What do we all do? Let's wring our hands. Let's take him to Moses and Aaron. What do you guys think? We're not, you know, that's pretty, let's ask God about that. God says, duh, you are going to stone him to death. And not just you and, and Aaron, Moses, the whole congregation is going to do that. Why is the whole congregation involved in stoning this man? Pardon? Okay, yeah, he has, it, it kind of goes along the same lines of the unintentional sin aspect. Why did the whole congregation get involved? Because one affects the entire whole. One affects the entire whole. Everybody is affected by sin. So if this guy, you know, hey, you know what, it, not a big deal. He was picking up sticks. They're not very heavy. Who would call that work? We'll give him a pass. Next time, what happens? Next time we're carrying it in a bucket. The next time we're, we've got a wheelbarrow. The next time we've got a cart uh, pulled by an ox. Next thing you know, we're out in the woods cutting lumber and chopping up wood for fireplaces. What you do is the very thing that Barney Fife said you've got to do. You've got to nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. God was very serious about sin and sin that was intentional was an affront to God Almighty himself. Of all the things, you keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't you do anything to transgress or revile that day. This man had done that. H however incidental that seems, it was a big deal to God, which had the potential to affect everybody else. And God wasn't playing games about it. Uh, how many more stories do you read about people picking up sticks on Sabbath days? Not a trick question, right? You don't read much about that because it was dealt with so, so severely. Okay, so, right, now we, we've got our mind. We've got the unintended. It was a mistake. Oh, man, I'm sorry. And everybody, that happens. So God's going to take care. Of, there's going to be atonement made for that, and you'll be forgiven. But you commit an outright affront to God, you sin against God, you're going to pay. There is no sacrifice for that sin. Here's an example of the guy on the Sabbath day with his sticks and all the people had to contribute that and stone him. And not only that, if you had participated in stoning somebody one time, I'm pretty sure you're going to encourage other people not to sin again because you don't want to have to be stoning somebody again, do you? That is not something we want to see. So we're all in this together and we, we do not want to see sin progress. Now, also, Rick, while we're there, uh, please read verses 37 to 41, because this then takes us to the next step of this thing. Not only do we deal with sin, but in the absence of sin, you say, well, we've eradicated the sin. We also need to do what? Proactively. And this was big, both in Leviticus and Numbers. We want to be a, it starts with an H, ends with an, a Y and has an O in it. 
We want to be holy. That's right. We want to be holy. Okay, what does that text say for us? Okay, boy, people can sure be forgetful. So we're going to have a visual representation of the importance of keeping every law. So you're going to have tassels with blue in them on, on, all your, on your clothing. You're like, man, that is silly. It wouldn't be so silly if you're the one receiving the stones. If you're the one who has all of a sudden forgotten, now you're terrified that the, the fear of the Lord is going to come upon the people. They're going to rise up against you. You want help. You want encouragement. Keep reading that, Rick. And again, the re-emphasis of a continuing theme throughout this, you be holy, why? Because I'm holy. You want this relationship with me? I sure do. I'm going to do my part and be holy. <laughs> so you be holy. You do your part. I'll do my part. I'll be merciful where, merci where mercy is is necessary, but I am doing everything that I can to maintain this relationship. But part of that relationship depends on you or for us that it depends on us. We want to have a relationship with God. We're going to have to do our part. God has God done abundantly more than we could ever expect him to do in order to have a relationship with us. Oh man. We, uh, that's the crowning work of it. Jesus is death, but uh, how did we even get to Jesus? That, that's God working through the ages to make that possible. God has just done way more than we could ever fathom is possible for somebody. And he's done it for all of us. Okay, so the book of Numbers deals with a lot of things related to how we stay holy, how we please God. And even in those circumstances where we mess up, we make these big mistakes, we can trust that God is going to be merciful and, and full of the right kind of justice. And even in the New Testament uh, scriptures from Hebrews chapter 10, if, I, if I'm going to be willful about my sin, do not think that I can just walk around and, and rub God's face in it. It is a big deal. And it reminds me of what was happening there in, in the Corinthian church, right? First Corinthians chapter five. We used it as an example earlier. Here's this guy who is in blatant sin. It's such sin that not even the Gentiles named that among themselves. And a man has his own father's wife and they were accepting of that. You wonder why Paul was so strong about it. Paul is like hit the emergency button. What in the world is wrong with you? I can see that and I'm not even there. We got to purge the lump. All of that we learn from, should have learned, right? From God's interactions with his people way back, even in the first five books of the Bible, as he is generating or building them up into a people. Okay, let's think about the book of Deuteronomy now. Here's our fifth book. And this is a great one because this is the book that takes us 
right to the edge. We are preparing ourselves to go into the promised land. We are on the plains of Moab. Moses is in this book giving three discourses where he is sharing with them, well, several different things. One, warnings. Now you've read those before, right? <laughs> we just saw some. Warnings. You go into this land without me, you know, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there to remind you. You be faithful to God. You've learned this over our wilderness wanderings, how important it is to be faithful to God. Be faithful or else God is going to take vengeance on you there as much as he has here. Th those, there are the, the warnings. There is the advice. Now, kind of like a, a father for his children and Think about it. How many elderly people do we have? And by the way, Moses is 120 now. How many 120-year-olds we got walking around there? One. <laughs> One. That's Moses. So it's like a father for his children. So he's giving advice. What you do when you go into the land. And here's kind of what you can expect. And, you know, if you'll, again, you'll be faithful, obedient. God will be with you. And you will, without question, you will have victory. God will give you that victory. And then, you know, there, there's the encouragement. You can do this. People are like, oh no, we won't have you with it. You got it. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it. Kind of summing up all of it, the whole book. So, of course, I'm encouraging you, expecting you to read the whole book. Some of you have already done that. I'll not ask for a show of hands. I'm just going to assume it's 100%. But since you've already read it, you probably could have boiled it all down to just a couple of verses. Someone read for us what is the most famous, maybe the most famous text, it should be the most famous text of all the five books, but certainly the most famous of the book of Deuteronomy. That's chapter 6. Verses 4 and 5. It was so significant to Israel, they gave it its own name. They called it the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse... We're going to look at two verses, verses 4 and 5. Who would read that for us? Okay. That's where the word Shema comes from, here. So here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's it. And in regard to him, what are you supposed to do? Love him with what? Okay. Everything you got. Does that ring any bells? Did Jesus ever say anything about this text in particular? Okay. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 22 verses. We'll look at verses 37 and 38 to begin with. Matthew chapter 22 verses 37 and 38. In fact, just go 37 to 40 to bring in the other text. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Now I'm thinking, okay, there's all these commandments, like 
If you read through these books and you were really taking note, you would have noticed that there are 365 thou shalt nots. There's all these commands. But Jesus said there is a first and a great commandment. And which one is it? It's this one right here. Okay, keep reading, please. Okay, here's the great thing. Here's what the book of Deuteronomy does. If you've read through it, you already realize that it is compacted with a lot of stuff. What you read in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers as pertains to commands, you find those restated all through this book. Command after command after command after command. It had become one of the great debates about just all this pile and piles and piles of commands. Which one of those is the greatest command? Well, Jesus says, I can tell you out of the entire bulk of all of those commands, exactly which one is the first and the greatest. And it's what? To love the Lord your God. And then he adds this. The second is like it to do what? To love your neighbor as yourself. And then this very important statement. On these two, on these two commandments, hang all. Now, what does the word all mean? Everything. Everything. All means everything. When you say all, what are you leaving out? Nothing. So when you say all, you are including everything. He says on these two commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. To love God with all that you've got. To love your neighbor with all that you've got. He said every single one of those laws is hanging on those two. So if we could just get those two, what? Pretty good shape, Luther says. You don't really have to worry about everything else, do you? If you are loving God with everything you've got and you are loving your neighbor as yourself with everything you've got, then are you going to sin against God? The thing is, when, you, when you've been reading through the things that you're supposed to do and the things that you're not supposed to do, when you read them, you don't go, huh, that's really weird. Um, I don't see how that sin right there that God's identified, I don't really see how that's offensive. No, when you, when you read it and you identify what that sin is, you immediately say, well, that's wrong. I clearly, I mean, we are conditioned morally. Most of us are to know what's right and what's wrong. So when I read over those things, I am not shocked when God points at something and he says, that's a sin. Don't do it. I'm not shocked at that because it does one of two things. Either it offends God and his holiness or else it does what? It offends and it hurts somebody else. So when I clean those up and I look at my life based on the way I treat God and the way I treat others, I find that without even trying, I keep the commandments of God. So on those two commandments, hang everything else. All of the other stuff is based on, hangs on 
our relationship to God and our relationship with other people. So question, is, is our relationship with God pretty significant? Yeah, absolutely. Then, okay, here's the tricky part. Because this is the part we have the most trouble with, I think. We can love God with all our heart, but I won't sit on the pew with so-and-so, you know? Ooh, I, I need to be very careful about my relationships, don't I? I have to, I have to love other... You say, well, what about my enemies? What did Jesus say about my enemies? What do we do with them? Well, now, in the law, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and... Here it is. Hate your enemy, right? Jesus said, here's the thing. On these two commandments hang all the law. You love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. You love even your enemy. You love even your enemy. So here in the book of Deuteronomy, you have the encouragement to live life in the light of God's will, to obey his commandments, to be committed to your service to him. And Moses is kind of given his sign off of how we're going to live and what we are going to do. Now there, oh man, there are great warnings in this text as well. For instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we actually mentioned these before. Uh, there's two verses. We were going to read the whole section, but we've run out of time. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, and then also Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, and then also Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 15. So I'll give you a two for one. If you'll find Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, you can also read verse 15. How's that sound? Yay, Ken, we really appreciate it. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Who has that? If you will do what I tell you to do, then I will do what for you? I'll set you above every nation on earth. And if you read verses 1 through 14, he just goes through the details of it. He says, if this happens and you're faithful to me, this. If this, then this. If this, then this. All the way through. And then also, Joan, please read verse 15 of that text. Throw it against the wall over there, my help. First created man that makes any graves without molded images, an abomination to the Lord. They work of the hands of the craftsman, but it is in a sacred place, and all the paper shall answer say, Amen. If, if you don't obey God, what's coming on you? Starts with a C. Curses. Curses coming. Uh, here's the interesting thing. That chapter has 68 verses in it, right? From verse 15 to 68 are the curses. Now, balance it for me, right? Here's God's blessings. This is simple. You do what I say. It, it, it's wide open. I'll give you a few examples. And then he goes from verse 1 to verse 14. You, you become disobedient to God. I'm going to curse you six days to Sunday. I'm going to curse you up one side and down the other. 
from verse 15 all the way through verse 68. It's like any kind of way you can imagine that you would transgress the Lord. God is coming at you. Woo! Okay, so in review. Do we want to obey or not obey? We want to obey. Now, someone very quickly read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Deuteronomy chapter 30. So you just flip over maybe one page. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. I love these verses right here. Who has that text? We'll read it. Wait, well, stop right there. Heaven and earth have been called as witnesses. Woo, that's big, right? Huge. Okay, keep going. I have said before you, I am blessings and cursings, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may be, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life, and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Okay, God says, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm giving you the land. You're going to go enter in that land. I have given you the whole scenario. You do right, I'm going to bless you. You don't do right, I'm going to curse you. Today, you are making a decision between life and death. Choose life. You know, choose life. Choose to live. Here's what we don't do. You know, this whole book, if you were going to call what's the theme of the book, the theme is obedience. It's obedience. Here is a misnomer because so many people, human beings just are constantly kicking against authority. They don't want to be told to do anything. But here is the truth. Disobedience is not freedom. According to these texts, disobedience is absolute foolishness. And God says, if you don't dis, if you don't obey me, you have chosen death. So I ask you, whose fault will it be if I don't go to heaven? But we can't say God sent me to hell. That is not what God did. There's only one person responsible for that. Okay, so we're going to have to stop. Time's up. Thank you so much for your participation. Lord willing, we'll finish our study next week. At the close of the service, we always want to give opportunity for anybody. How many elders do we have in here? There's two over there and one way in the back over there. And uh, you can speak with me as well if, if there's something you need to share. We need to pray with you. You want to obey the gospel. We'd love to study with you. Whatever the need is, we're making uh, the opportunity for you to let it know, be known uh, this evening. So if you need to stay after our prayer and talk with one of the elders or myself. We'll take whatever time is necessary. We've also made the Lord's Supper available. So if you are not able to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, you can meet in the little chapel. You just go out to the foyer and turn left at, at the end. Uh, we'll have someone there to have a service with you. Again, thanks for being here tonight. 
We'll look forward to seeing you Wednesday evening, Lord willing. I hope you have just a great, a great start to this week. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father, thank you for the blessing of being here and for the power of your word. And we just, we see how you want to help us so much, but we have to be amenable to that. We have to have to submit ourselves to your wise direction. We have the examples of so many who lived before, but what we're in right now is our life. We're in the midst of it. So Lord, if we're in the, headed in the wrong direction, I pray that uh, these kinds of things will help us to get our our ship headed in the right direction. And we thank you for giving us time and opportunity to do that. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us as we implement these principles to our lives, that we'll be an obedient child. Lord, we pray that you will bless us as we are intending to go home tonight, give us safe travel. And if you'll give us a new day, even a new week, pray that we'll use the things that we know to do to make the world a better place in the circle in which we live and to lead others to you. In Jesus' name, amen.